Lord. I have a verse for the kids this morning, and uh, I mentioned one of my mothers was working very late last night, so the children might not be in church this morning. Okay, um, I got two in the front row. You guys can help them out. How about that? Okay, so we got a short Bible verse. Try to keep it short for children, uh, especially at this age. All right, this is the short Bible verse from Revelation 1:17. Fear not, I am the first and the last. That's short, right? Now, this is just the latter part of the verse, section B. But uh, it's a great biblical truth and applies to our lives. Let's say it together and everybody joining with them, all right? Let's take the verse together. Revelation 1, 17b. Fear not, I am the first and the last. Revelation 1, 17b. Thank God he is the first and he is the last. You remember just a few weeks ago, we were looking about Genesis 1-1, how he created all things. And now as we continue... He is the first and the last. He made everything, and he also is the one who will finish everything. Aren't you glad at the end? God, the one who has the last say. I'm so glad about that because a lot of people are trying to alter with everything right now, but God's in control. That's the awesome truth. Go with me, if you would, to John 7, 38. I'd like you to look at that verse as it is our theme verse for the year. Take a moment there. Refresh our minds with this wonderful, powerful truth from the Word of God. John 7. Verse 38. Winter has passed, thank God for that. Spring is in the air. Hey, you don't have anything to be thankful about, you can be thankful of that, right? Uh, sunshine. Praise God for that. John 7, verse 38. Read the verse together with me, if you would. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of what kind of water? Living water. Man, I, I love living water. Don't you love going by a fresh brook and seeing fresh water? It's visiting Travis this week. And he was mentioning how their well water is starting to clear up. They had to put a new pump in their well and live by a marsh. And, and all that sandy junk got in that water. And the water was contaminated for months. And it came out miry. It looked so murky and disgusting. But you know what? It's starting to clear up. As the water has flowed freely from that well, you told me yesterday it's flowing freely. It's looking clearer. Why? Because the water, fresh water, came in and purified out all the sludge that was in the sides of that well casing. My friends, in our spiritual life, God wants us to have the living water flowing. Living water flowing. I love this verse because Jesus says, if we believe on him. Believe all of us would say today, you know. Most all of us in the room, we've believed on Jesus. And Jesus has this promise. He says, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow Rivers of living water. You say, I don't think living water comes from my belly, okay? Center of our being, the very essence of who we are, is filled with the power of God. This is the message he's trying to send. Look, if you didn't digest food through your belly, you wouldn't be able to continue to live. He's saying there's fresh water coming in that's giving you life, it's giving you energy, it's giving you soul. Your soul I love spring because it's all about new life. 
I thank God for the living water. Don't you think living water? I don't think any of us are going to go try to drink out of some murky cow pond around here, right? I, I, I dare you to go do that after church, all right? Go get yourself your Sunday afternoon uh, drink of water uh, with your lunch. Just go on the way home, go find some murky cow pond, and if the owner says, why are you doing this? You say, Pastor told me to. And you walk right down there and you dip yourself some little bit of that water, and you go home and you drink it. See if you don't wind up in the hospital, all right? It's dirt. But when, the, when we go to the street and get that fresh water, you might have one of those little tablets you can put in there and make sure it's pure, right? And uh, test it out, make sure it's perfect. Uh, some of the surviving people already got that taken care of right there. And you purify it, and you can drink it. Thank God for pure water. All right, what a great truth. This morning, would you join me in Revelation chapter 2? As we continue this morning, thinking about how God wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive in this year. And he speaks to the church. He encourages the church. And John, this apostle of God, is met with an encounter with God. We thank the Lord for how his life has changed by it. Uh, we're going to be, begin, though, backing up, if you would, in verse 11. Uh, verse, actually, verse 10 of chapter 1. Revelation 1 and verse 10. Get the context, and then we'll jump into the passage. It's so great to have uh, so many new faces in the house of God today. So glad each of you made it out to church today. Thank you for being in God's house. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the, what does he say? Thank God he wasn't in the flesh. Amen. On the Lord's day. Brother, if everybody get in the spirit of the Lord's day, we have a revival. And heard behind me a great voice, as of a trumpet. Saying, I mean, that got his attention, right? I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, Pergamos, to Thyatira, and Sardis, and Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about his calves with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if it burned in a furnace, and his voice at the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He said unto me, and he, and he laid his hand, right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Reverse joy. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death, hell and of death. What a beautiful picture that is portrayed for us here in front of the apostle John. John's in the spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. He gets an encounter with God. Look at what he sees. There's a depiction of what he saw. You say, that looks a little strange, doesn't it? But this is the biblical illustration. You have the Lord, Jesus Christ, appearing to him. Now, the Bible says his feet were as brass. Obviously, the picture only goes so far. Right? You find a picture that would depict it as best as could be. There's a sword in his mouth. 
There's fire coming out of his eyes. He's holding seven stars, and he has seven candlesticks beside him. You say, that would be a strange sight to see on a Sunday. Right? I mean, that gets your attention. And the Apostle John fell down at the feet of Jesus as he had an encounter with the living God. His life was transformed. His life was changed. You say, what is God trying to show you? God was trying to reveal himself to him. God wanted him to understand the depth of his work in a greater way. And he revealed a vision to him, a message to the churches that still speaks to us today. The seven golden candlesticks representing each of these churches. Now you say, are they literal churches? Or are they church periods? The Lord knows. There's evidence on both sides of that. But, I will tell you this, we know clearly that the church either had its light on or had its light off, all right? And the Lord said, I'm going to take away your light because of problems, or I'm going to keep your light because you walk in truth. And so, the Lord's sword, my friend, we often view God as a God of, only as a God of love. But he's also a God of truth, and he has the two-edged sword, and he says, look, I want to divide, I want to put the truth in and divide the evil from the, uh, the truth. And I want my fire of my word to be filling your life. And the light that was radiating off of it. What a beautiful sight. Imagine seeing that. I think of Moses at the burning bush. And he was so shook up by that encounter. that he was able to go on that for 40 years and lead the people of God through a bunch of things. Jesus' evaluation of the church. Jesus' evaluation of the church. In this text, we see that he is not only the first and the last, He's in control of all these things, my friend, but he wanted him to understand that he is either liveth, he says, I am alive forevermore. Is, God, is your God alive? My God's alive, all right? I don't serve a dead God. I don't serve a dead God. My friend, look at what he says in verse 19. Write the things which thou seest and which are, the things which are shall be hereafter. And the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. Now, let's move on. He speaks unto the first church. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. Labor, patience, thou canst not bear them, which are evil, and hast tried them, as to their apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. I submit to you in this text, my friend, the apostle John here was so close to Christ, he had a spiritual encounter with God, and he saw the biblical view of the church. Uh, by the way, there'd be unity in the church of every person who claims to be saved would have an encounter with the risen Christ. A new account with Jesus Christ. In the meeting, which we see in our text, uh, if we meet with God in that way, fall down at his feet, changes our opinion. We worship him out of reverence. Uh, the altars of our churches are not full because the hearts of our members have not met with Christ in so long. They cannot hear the voice of the Almighty. There's power in corporate prayer, but when the corporate group is praying as clean hearts, that's when the power comes. Amen? And in 
in uh, one of our missionaries, Brother Les Hill, he was a few years ago, he called me up. I hadn't been here very long, and he said, Brother Daniel, he said, I'm deeply concerned, as every pastor ought to be. He said, it's been years since we've seen anybody saved, and I am concerned. The years since we've seen anybody baptized, he said, and I'm concerned. He said, I'm burdened about it. And you know what? When you get burdened about it, it's amazing what God will do. God's saying, yes, preacher. Yes, preacher came to Brother Hill. Said, Brother Hill, truth of the matter is you've got a lot of things in church you need to be dealt with. It's sin in church. Sin is, is hindering the spirit of God. Because of that, God won't move. But Bill said, okay, is that right? He confronted the people that were in trouble. He confronted the people that were living in sin, doing things that were sinful. He dealt with the issue. God brought about a marvelous thing. A few months later, one of the families that was attending the church, his husband was lost. The husband was not attending. The child was killed in a car accident. You know what? Brought that family into faith. Brought relatives of people started coming and getting saved. And the death of that child brought salvation to people in that church. People started coming and getting saved. And even during this time, when they have not even been able to travel more than three miles from their house in some of these time periods, God has brought salvation and God has brought people being saved, and people can't wait to get back in the house of God and get baptized. And there are so many people that are waiting to get baptized. Why? Because the church got clean with God. When we read in Revelation chapter 2, we notice several factors this morning in the church. He addresses the church as a whole, all right? He clearly addresses everyone in the assembly, and he calls them out as being equally responsible. Walking with God, every believer should be aware of some area in our life that God desires to change. Some aware area in our life that God desires to change. If we're walking with Christ, we'll look at ourselves and say, Lord, there's one area. Even if it's something simple like, Lord, I'm struggling in my Bible reading. I do it, but I don't really enjoy it. That, that's an area, okay? God's convicting us about it. Uh, Lord, I'm struggling in my brain. I, I at home, I, I really don't desire to do it. Okay, That's an area. Any little area, God's speaking, and we say, Lord, you're speaking, I want to follow you. We should all be aware through our meditation on God's word of some specific temptation that we struggle with. We should be aware that God longs to help us with it and get us victory in our life. It is the awareness of our own weakness that becomes our own strength. Because we become weak, then we are strong. This morning, as we look at this text, let's see what Jesus says about the church. Jesus' evaluation of the church. First, he names off their accomplishments. We love to know our accomplishments, right? Look at verse 2. I know thy works. I got ahead of myself a moment ago to start reading this verse, all right? And thy labor and thy patience. Jesus says, You're a good church. He says, You've had a lot of good works. You've done a lot of good things, matter of fact. He says, you've labored. These believers were known for their accomplishments. You know what? God keeps a good reputation, re record of your reputation. He's not forgetful to remember our work and labor of love for his name. Solomon, in all of his great wisdom, said, Ecclesiastes 2.11, when I, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had brought, and all the labor that I had labored to do. Behold, it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. There was no profit unto the Saying, what do you mean, Solomon? I mean, he built the temple for God. Didn't Solomon build the temple for God? And he says it was all vanity. You say, why? All the things that we could seek to accomplish, you might build the whole temple for God. Solomon, with his 
Dad, David financed the temple, and they build this whole building, and they get the whole thing done, and they, they have this wonderful place to worship God. And Solomon says, you know what? I looked at everything I accomplished. He built beautiful houses. He did beautiful things. There was peace in the land. But yet he says, after all of these things, he says it was just vanity and vexation of spirit. There was no profit under the sun. Often we look at our accomplishments and we add them up and we say, this is, this is how it goes. And Solomon, the wisest man, says, you know what, by the way, I've done all this stuff and it's nothing. He said, I've done all of these things and in God's eyes, truly, what only matters is what is important to God. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, he says. The believer's accomplishment. They had done a lot of things. Do you think it's the things you've done for Jesus? Often we like to add those things up, don't we? But you know what? Are you all used up for Jesus? Well, I used to. Are you all used up for Jesus? The believer's accomplishments. I know thy works. See, the Lord knows what you've done. He knows what we've done. But he says, let's go further. I know your trials. This is great. The believer's trials, verses 2 down through 3, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and has tried them which say they are apostles and are not found in liars. He says there was some false teaching. And you know what? You were so full of the word, so full of the Holy Spirit, you had so much of the word memorized that you knew how to confirm it. You knew how to do it. Wow. Awesome. Great accomplishment. Verse 3. Thou hast borne, and hast patience, and for my namesake hast labored, and get this, and has not, what does he say? Ooh, that's good. He says they didn't faint. They didn't get weary. Remember what the word says? Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we what? Faint not. Right? Faint not. See, they were able to discern the false prophet. So they were full of the word. They patiently persevered. They labored for his name. They did not quit. It's a quitter's world. It's a quitter's world today. If this year only, right? A young person, uh, they quit their job. In most cases, they got paid better to stay at home than to work, right? Good grief, man. That's a great way to teach the young people how to work. In the biblical realm, quitters never win and winners never quit. Our trials are small. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9, speaking of this subject. The Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So he says, you've discerned all these things. You've labored for my name's sake, but God knows the heart. He says, you've borne all these things. You've not fainted. So they had this great reputation. They didn't quit. My friend, it's so easy to quit, isn't it? So easy to quit. Go along serving Jesus. Some trial comes. Somebody says something. And boom, man, quit. People quit. People quit so quickly, so easily, they quit. They fall out. And look, it's hard when everybody quits that's helping you, and you still persevere. But that's the heart of a faithful servant. The believer's trial. The believer's trial. They've been through so much. They accomplished much. They had works and labor. God said, you've done great things. God said, by the way, you've endured a lot of trials. And you can't stand in evil things. You want to follow true things. That's great. He says, I love that about you. He goes on. Get another verse 4. Now, remember, this is God's evaluation of us. 
He goes on in verse 4, and he speaks of the believer's deep condition. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Look, we, we often evaluate our lives by the first part, and God says, look, I'm looking at the latter part. I'm looking at that issue, he says. Because thou hast, what does he say? Thy first love. He says, you have, who, who has? Thou hast. You have. It's your, it's your fault, he said. Because thou hast left thy first love. Said, no, not because somebody else made you keep it. It's not because uh, your friend got taken away from you. No, no, no. He says, it's your own fault, he says. Look, verse 5, remember. Remember. Therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Where were you standing before? He says you were standing and walking in purity. He says you were you were doing the will of God with a pure heart and had love. And he says, remember that time when you loved sinners? Remember that time when you loved the saints? Remember that time when you loved the word of God? And he says, look back at that time. He says, right now you don't love it. Right now you're nitpicking about everything. He says, you've lost, left your first love. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do, look what he says, the first works. I know that works, verse 2. He says, go back and do the same things you did before. He said, but I can't. <laughs> oh my. I hadn't been here very long. I met somebody in the community who doesn't go to the church, but an individual occasionally would visit some things. We would talk. And uh, the individual told me, they said, you know what? Now, by the way, they were perfectly good help. They painted houses, they worked, they did things. They were diligent. They, they, I mean, in some ways. They told me, they said, Sorry, but uh, Pastor Dan, I can't help you with anything. Next day, I mean, I see them out working on their house, doing all these things. Retired, right? I can't help you with anything because I just don't have strength like I used to. I'm all, I'm all worn out. I wish I could spend time with you and help, but I, I'm just all worn out. I, I don't have any strength anymore. But I have strength for all these things, and I have strength to sit, and I'd go talk with the individual and spend two hours visiting with them and trying to fellowship with them and trying to encourage them. And after I worked an 80-hour week, go spend two hours with them to fellowship with them, to try to encourage them so they'd be in the house of God. I just can't do anything for God. I've got time to talk. Amen? Uh, I've got time to have the energy to speak. Uh, I've got time to have the energy to talk about all the things that I do outside around my house. But I, I wish I had the strength. You know, if I was younger, I would... Remember thy first works, he says. Remember thy first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly. And will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. You say, that is a difficult word. Repent means to do a little U-turn. Repent, men, is when we're walking, we're driving down the road, and our wife's doing the navigation, okay? And she says, dear, you need to turn there. And we missed the turn. Instead of being stubborn and knuckle-headed, we turn around like she says, and we go back. Instead of trying to find a new route, okay? That's repent, all right? Repent is when we turn around and go back. That's, that's, to, that's repentance. Often we try to figure out our way. We say, well, we got there. Took us 30 extra minutes, but we got there, right? In our pride, sometimes we try to do things our own way. 
The believers' deep condition, they were trying to do things their own way. And God says, uh uh. Remember God's opinions, the most important opinion. He says, You left your first love. You left your first love. Um, it has been said this year the church attendance in the United States has dropped to the lowest it has ever been historically. And we're talking about even online too, man, my friend. It is the lowest attendance historically. The people of God don't even want to hear the word of God. It's the lowest ever. You say, what's going to happen? There was a goal behind this, by the way. You ought to read history. They've been trying to do this for years, trying to wipe out the church. And they've been doing a pretty good job at succeeding at it. We ought to recognize, my friend, God wants us to remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent. Remember from whence thou art fallen. You know, the word of God, God gives it to us. And God delivers it to us. He wants us to be in the right place at the right time to hear it. But we live in a society where we can go online and we can watch any sermon we want to at any time we want to. And if we don't like the sermon, we can just turn on another one and listen to it. And then we can find the one that makes us feel good. And we can listen to that. And we'll feel good about ourselves because we found what we what our niche makes us feel good. But God says, no, I put you in this community, in this time, in this place, and I want you to change so you can help change others around you so you can make a difference. And he says, don't just go out and try to find the teacher with itching ears, the one who's just going to make you feel good. He says, no, find the one that's going to help you. Get where you need to go. Now, find the one that's going to help you get back in love with Jesus. My friend, God has used some very imperfect people, because I'm imperfect too, to bring me where I need to be, and to continue to bring me where I need to be. Let's not focus on the imperfections of the people God uses in our lives, amen? But let's ask God to help us learn what God has for us to see. We're afraid to hear what God says about our heart because it's scary. The believer's deep condition. Remember, what does he say? From whence thou art fallen. Little children, right? They trip and fall. They trip and fall. And what do they do when they fall? They start to cry. They start to say, Mommy, I fell. Help me, help me, help me. That's a little child. That's a humble heart. I fell, please help me get up. The older we get, we say, well, I just kind of like staying down here. <laughs> it feels better now, right? Um, I have a new perspective. And our new perspective is such a low perspective, my friend, that when we see people running around doing stuff for God, we go, oh, they must be doing something wrong. God says, remember from which thou art fallen and return to thy first love. Our fear, our fear of change is found in the fact that we have changed. Because look at what he says in verse 5. He says, who fell? You fell. He says, we fell. He says, repent. And do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. He says, you're sliding along and you've been going down the slope and you didn't even see it coming. And he says, you're way down here. And now somebody's challenging you. I'm challenging you, God says, to go back here. And he says, change. He says, change. I want you to go back into first love with Jesus. He says, I want you to get back in love with Jesus, get back in love with his word, get back in love with the people of God. He says, I want you to follow me out of love and not out of duty. Out of love and not out of duty. By the way, there's a big difference. There's a big difference when we do things just because of our friends. And when we do things because we truly love the word of God so much, we have nothing else drawing us except the word of God. And we love the word of God so much that we go and hear the word of God and want to 
fellowship with the people of God and want to do the will of God. And it's not because we're a member, my friend. It's because we love Jesus Christ. And that's the way it ought to be for all of us. We ought to do it because we love Jesus Christ, not just because our poor friends go there. Amen? And too often we live for our friends instead of for Jesus. And it's why we can't win any souls to Christ. We want our friends. And we can only think about our friends, but we can't think about anybody else. And Jesus says, stretch your mind. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Remember when you used to love the stranger. I love the stranger too, he says. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Luke 6, 42 says, 45 says. A good man, he says, out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. Good things. But he says, the evil, out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Then he says, the abundance of the heart is where our mouth comes out of our mouth. Just listen to people talk about life, Jesus, his word, and his church, and you can tell exactly where they're at, my friend. If they can't talk excitedly about those things, falling from the first love. Falling from the first love. I'm out of love. And Lord, help me to return to love. Lord, help me to get the fresh water back in the well because it's dry. The well has gone dry. Remember the story of Brother Peter? You say, well, what was the sin? Often we look at sins and we say, it's the sin of adultery. We want to name some sin we're not going to name. But it's the sin of fornication. It's the sin of listening to a false teacher. God says, all sins sin. Say, what's the sin of Calvin Baptist Church? Anybody know what it is? Oh, no. What is it? It's pride. It's pride in God's it's our sin of a lack of faith to lead people to God. And a lack of faith to believe God to guide us. Our sin is that we are not willing to trust that God might be leading. And we're too afraid to trust God's leading so we wander like the children of Israel. And how long did they wander? Forty years, my friend. And did they get anything done while they were wandering? No, people died. We got to decide, you know, Lord, we've been wandering. Lord, we've been looking around at all those leeks and garlics and onions. We look back at Egypt. We say, wow, it was so great back then. And God says, remember from when thou were fallen? Why did they have to wander? Because they got out of the will of God. They wandered because they were focused on the wrong things. But then, when all those who had led in that unbelief died, all of a sudden, revival came. They went into the promised land, and Moses got mixed up in the whole mess. He had to die. He couldn't go into the promised land. Because he messed up one time. But my friend, God still brought about the people of God in the place of God. He used Caleb and Joshua. I thank God for their example. Are you a Caleb? Are you a Joshua? In my personal Bible reading this week, I just finished 2 Kings today. And as I read, I read of Josiah the king. He led the people of God to change. But what did he do to have him change? He had to open up the word of God and read the part, the dusty part that hadn't been reading in a long time. <laughs> the part that was hidden. He had them open it up and they said, whoa, the word of God says we need to stop doing this stuff we've been doing. We need to start doing something else. We're living by tradition. We're not living by truth. And God wants us to change to be like the word of God. And when Josiah did that, there was a revival in the land. 
Too often, my friend, it's because we're holding the truth. <laughs> but we're just holding our favorite parts of the truth. God wants us to get back to the first love. We say, Lord Jesus, help me to stay in love with you. Sometimes we're just so afraid of obeying the Bible. We're afraid that if we go win souls, we might have a new spirit in the house of God. We're afraid of the fear life because it will reveal how our love has gone cold. You know what? When I get around a new Christian, I get convicted. Don't you? Somebody gets saved, they get on fire for God, and they want to do the will of God. It gets convicting for me. I say, wow, man, they're so excited. They want to go win souls. Oh, that's what we all ought to do. Amen? We ought to all be in a place where we get excited when people are growing, and we say, Lord, I'm not growing, and instead of finding a reason to blame, I'm going to say, Lord, my heart's messed up. Help me to change by your word. Remember from whence thou art called, fallen, and repent. He says, what do you have to do? You say, what do you have to do? Lord, I was wrong in your life. Lord, this is where I messed up. Lord, the truth of the matter is, Lord, my perspective's been wrong. Lord, it's not been biblical. I'm too focused on my tradition. And Lord, I've held the traditions of the elders like the Pharisees, Lord. And uh, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. Lord, help me. Help my unbelief. Remember Jesus? He left us an example. He said, I'm among you as he that doth. What's he say? What does he say? Jesus said he was among you as he that doth what? Nobody knows. Serve. He said, I serve. The church rises and falls together. And why would you, why would we stop? Why don't we stop trying and start trusting? Why don't we stop fighting God and start believing God? When we come to a place where we say, Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, there's some area needs to repent. You say, Pastor, that's that's you preaching. You just want us to repent. My friend, I have to repent regularly. The problem is sometimes the pastor repents, but the people of God don't repent because they're too stubborn to repent. And so God leads the pastor in a new direction so that souls can be one. A new direction like a direction back to the Word of God. And all of a sudden, more people start coming to the house of God, and things start growing, and things start improving, and we get so nitpicky that we aren't growing, and we get upset. God says, no, remember from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Repent. Remember when you used to love the fact that the Lord saves sinners. Remember when you used to get excited about when God was working, and get back to that place where you get excited again. Let's be honest, we've left our first love. What about your accomplishments? You say, I've done so much, Solomon said, they are all worthless. He said, I built all those things, but it was worthless, Solomon said. Often we, we brag on the accomplishments. The Lord says, it's a good job you did. Congratulations. He says, you've been faithful. Congratulations. He says, you lost your first love. Oops. He says, if you don't repent, he says, I'm going to pull out your candlestick. I'm going to remove your light. You know what's happened to the church in America? The light's been brought out. The light, the light has been snuffed out. And we don't have the light. You say, that's because we have false doctrine. No, it's because we lost the power of God. It's because we lost the power of God. Too focused on our traditions and not on Jesus. We've forgotten that Jesus loved the strangers, the outcasts, and those from other groups. What was Jesus' number one sin? Pharisees got really mad at him because of what? He was the friend of publicans and sinners. Jesus, why are you eating with those people? Jesus, they're not Pharisees like you. 
Go to the tax collector, Jesus. They take all our money. By the way, if you go even to the tax collectors around here, I kind of like that word for you too. They really do take our money. Okay, great. But um, Jesus had friends that were sinners. And we ought to have friends that are sinners who are like the Son of God. He left us an example. We boast of our membership to an organization, but we're not members of the heavenly kingdom. Because we labor against God instead of with God. Together with God. Together with God. Let's get in line together with God. In love with Jesus. In love with his word. We hate the strangers, my friend, and it's a sin. Jesus told his people. And the children of Israel were commanded in the law of Moses to love the stranger. You say, but uh, here in New York, they're going to pay them $15,600 if they suffered a little bit of trouble last year. Supposed to love them anyways, all right? If you all don't, don't, don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you need to get the epic times. And uh, good grief, this state is going to pay people $15,000 for pandemic relief for last year, as long as you can prove that you're an illegal alien. Congratulations. Um, I think everybody wants to be an illegal alien now. Um, I'm going to find a lot of them around town now. Good grief. What kind of foolishness is this? My friend, we look at that and we say, that's ridiculous. I can't believe they're doing that. And we get jealous and we get angry. But when I, when I go down the road and I meet an illegal alien, um, I feel very compassionate to them. I hope you do too. Um, I enjoy talking with people who are from different nationalities and different countries. You say, why did God send them here? Maybe because God wanted them to come into a church that's revived. They get saved. Amen. And uh, we ought to be ready to receive strangers into the house of God. Christians who are in love with Jesus rejoice when new faces hear the word of God. Christians who are carnal get mad because they don't love people. Which are you? Are you in love with Jesus, in love with seeking to bring new faces to the kingdom of God? Or does Jesus have one thing against you? Thank you today. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. Lest I come quickly, Jesus says, and remove thy candlestick. The light of Calvary Baptist Church is as strong as the individual lights each one of us have in our hand. The individual lights that we have in our hand. How bright is your light? The darker the night, the brighter the light. If we're walking with Jesus Christ. Let's ask him to help us with that. Let's stand together. And here's your prayer, play 485, revive us again. And as my wife plays the piano, just a moment, with her heads bowed and eyes closed, we want to take a moment to do business with the Lord. Thank you each for watching by way of live stream. Thank you for your friendship and your support. And God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Close out the live stream at this time. And for the rest of us in the house, let's take some time to meet with God right now this morning. Lord, say, Lord, return me to the place of first love. Father, I pray you help each of us to respond to you. And just to be honest, Lord, we all have areas in which we have left our first love. If we are honest with God, every single Christian has a time and a place in their life where we could be in love with Jesus a little bit deeper than we are right now. And Lord, you said to repent. You said that we are to confess it, to forsake it, and find mercy. Pray you help us this morning to get right with God about this. To say, Lord, I left the first love, whatever it is. Lord, there was a time I was more in love with Jesus than I am today. Lord, there was a time I was more excited about hearing the word of God than I am today. And Lord, I repent. I'm wrong, you're right, help me through. That's where it starts. 
Lord, I would Father, help us right now. Help us to do business with you. My friend, my wife's going to begin to play as the chord begins on the piano and step out from your seat to do business with God. I challenge you. Take time to meet with God right now. This Sing the chorus together. Oh,